Welcome to this week's Silk Grassroots Podcast, Match Fix, brought to you by the Down to Play app. Welcome to Match Fix, a brand new Silk production podcast, bringing you everything you want to know about the women's grassroots game. Grassroots football is finally back and we're buzzing. Get down to play today. The UK's leading app for next game availability. Download Down to Play from the App Store and Google Play. Episode 8 of Match Fix is here and it's once again a really insightful chat with a really brilliant guest. We are at the tail end of the season for those of you who managed to continue your leagues when football recommenced at the end of March and soon enough it'll be time for summer break. However, football doesn't really stop, does it? I'm sure there's plenty of you chomping at the bit for a summer tournament and there's plenty of you out there playing for fun and in recreational teams. And before we know it, the dreaded pre-season regime will be back and hopefully, fingers crossed, this time we get an uninterrupted season starting in September. I myself have a little bit of a nervy wait this week. Uh, S4K finished their season two weeks ago. But there was last weekend and this weekend still to play in our division. We currently sit top of the table, but it really is all to play for within our division. And right now it's kind of a four horse race, if anything. So wish and good luck vibes my way, please, everybody. I mentioned futsal when I chatted to Lou Barry at Northampton Town Women on episode six. And I would just like to say I implore anybody to get involved in a local club if you can find one nearby. If that's not possible, there is always the FA National Futsal Women's Super Series, which kicked off last week. It's all free to air on YouTube and there are some really tasty looking fixtures. The opening games were very exciting to watch. I'd just like to give a little shout out to Reading Royals. They are my local team and I happen to know a few of the players and many of them play for teams that I cover through football in Berkshire. So vamos Royals. Finally, There was the launch of the legacy projects for the 2022 Women's Euros across nine, yes, nine locations. And the whole kind of point of these legacy projects is that we get all the hype around the Euros next year and they kind of intend for it to be a sporting event that's kind of attended by the most people possible, but also that they're laying foundations for the future. So for players, for coaches, for referees and local leaders within schools, clubs and communities. And what a very exciting prospect it is. That's enough from me, though. Keep listening for part two. Welcome to part two of episode eight of Match Fix. And joining me today is Ree Lewis, who is first team player and captain at Swindon Town Women. Welcome, Ree. Hiya. How are you? How's things? All good, thank you. Good, good. Have you had a good day? Has, has it been a good start to the week? Is it a good Monday? It's been a bit chaotic at work, but <laughs> every other Monday is, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. And we were just moaning about the rain because obviously we're British. So what else is there to do other than moan about the weather? 
it's unbelievable. You'd think it was autumn. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, so I've asked you how you are, but I'm going to throw it back a little bit to kind of the beginning of the year and kind of the chaos that we have have dealt with in this last year. And we'll, we'll have a little discussion about lockdown because I think there's not much else to talk about, is there still? <laughs> how was your lockdown? How did how did uh, how did you deal with lockdown? How what kept you busy? It was okay. Um, it was the adjustment at the start that was a bit difficult, but it allowed me to have time at home with my little one, who's three. Um, normally, I'm working full time. He's in nursery, so it was actually good for us in some ways. Hard mentally at times, mm-hmm. but as a family, it let us spend a lot of uh, time together that we wouldn't normally have. Yeah, I think that's kind of sort of been it for everybody, really, hasn't it? Kind of making the most of kind of a little bit of time to kind of maybe do some things that you wouldn't normally do, even though we're kind of all stuck inside. Yeah, that's it. We end up doing the gardening. I decided to redecorate my whole house. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people did that, actually. They just felt kind of inspired by a bit of interior design, didn't they? So, yeah, I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> I uh, spent my days on Pinterest, so now put it to real life (laughs) love that in terms of like the football team obviously we're here to talk football kind of how did you cope with sort of not having football around sort of thing how how did you deal with that it was tough in the first couple of weeks even going into a couple of months just not having the girls around and having that kind of team morale we carried on training online through zoom and different apps so we were able to engage that way but it's just not the same as being you know in the changing rooms at the training ground so it was difficult but when we got back together it was like we've never been apart yeah I think that's the case for a lot of people definitely I think everybody that I've spoken to kind of you have to adapt and kind of adjust to doing things through a computer but actually yeah when you get when you get back on the pitch with everybody it's just there's nothing like it is there there's honestly nothing like being back with your teammates It, it was a good feeling yeah absolutely I agree Okay, so we've done the how are you, love that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about you kind of growing up. Are you, are you a, so like I said, you are part of Swindon Town, you are the captain. Are you a Swindon girl, kind of born and, bra- born and raised? Uh, are you from the area? I'm actually not. I'm, I was born and raised in Bristol. Nice. Does that mean you are a Bristol City fan? I'm not a City fan, but I uh, did follow Bristol Rovers growing up. <laughs> I see, I see. So, what kind of, how did you get into football? Did you play football when you were growing up? Uh, is there any kind of influences in the family, anything like that? Uh, my dad's a massive football fan. Um, he didn't really push playing or anything. I just, I'm from a big family, so we ended up just having a ball around the house all the time. So, I started, I think, at under eight. Um, I got I dragged my twin sister along and it all began from there. Nice. Okay. So um, I feel like for a lot of kind of women, they kind of have started off playing football, probably in a boys team. Was that the case for you? Luckily, there was a girls team already set up in Bristol. Um, It was Stoke Lane. And even from the under eights, they had age groups all the way through, which was really the only team in Bristol that had it other than the team I moved to later down the line. But yeah, I didn't have to play in the boys team. Oh, nice. So, yeah, that's kind of a little bit of an anomaly there, I guess, because most people that you chat to kind of, yeah, they've they've started off in boys football. But, yeah, no, that's that's interesting that you, you kind of started off in girls football. So, yeah, did you, did you say you kind of progressed through the kind of teams whilst you were at the club? Yeah, we I started at under eight and then I played until under 12s there at Stoke Lane. Um, 
and then as a family we relocated to a different area of Bristol so we moved to then our then local team which was St Nick's and I stayed there until under 16s um, while playing at Bristol Academy Centre of Excellence. Nice let's talk a little bit about that then how did you kind of end up at Bristol Academy? Um, we had a cup final for St Nick's um, I think I might have been 14 um, and it was played at Bristol's um, ground then at the time the first team ground um, and then after that I was approached by one of the centre of excellence managers and asked if I'd like to go along and yeah stayed there from then. Nice and how long did you play there for? Until colleges so four seasons. Nice so yeah did you kind of did you carry on playing throughout college or did you kind of drift away from football? I carried on playing but I I found it a bit difficult having college and football all together mm-hmm. so I I did to carry on studying there at Bristol um, and Filton, but then I played, went back to my team of St Nick and joined the women's football. Nice, let's see. <clears throat> cool, so you kind of didn't really ever have a break from football, you were kind of just there in sort of different capacities, essentially. Yeah. Nice, love that. <clears throat> so, um, you said you were at the academy and then you went back to St Nick's, um, had kind of women's football kind of grown at all for you at that point or was it still just kind of those two teams in the kind of area it was still just those two teams it I, there wasn't many options and that's what I struggled with growing up the I wanted to progress and see how far I could go in the football pyramid but the jumps between the steps of the ladder and the pyramids were absolutely massive if I wasn't in the first team at Bristol you then there was basically nothing below, and as a sixteen-year-old coming into women's football, the chances of getting into a first team of a WSL team is is not very high. Um, so I didn't want to get stuck in that middle bit, which is why I went back to my local team to try and get into the women's game. Yeah, I can understand that. Like you said, yeah, I think that's kind of. I don't know if it's necessarily kind of true now because we've had such a kind of. Oh, well, how long ago was that actually? Let's kind of go back slightly. How long ago was that? That would have probably been about 2012, 2013. Yeah, so it's not even that long ago, really. But I guess you, there's kind of been a fair bit of kind of growth in the time since then. And you, you kind of hope to think that there's actually a little bit more kind of uh, level sort of playing field, for want of a better kind of pun, um, in the kind of disparity, I guess, between the teams. Like kind of hopefully now there's kind of a bit more kind of competitiveness, I guess, rather than that big massive gap that you said you felt you, you experienced when you were there. Yeah, definitely. Even with the National League that I'm in now, I would, I really wish I was a 15, 14, 15 year old grown up in the game now because in the centre of excellence, you can then step out into the National League, the Championship, and then there, it feels like there is a pathway through. Whereas before it was just girls' football, women's football, and then WSL. There was, I just found there was no stepping stones in between. But now I think the way up is much clearer to the girls that want to do it. Yeah, absolutely. There's that kind of, 
like you say, a much clearer pathway for that kind of growth. And yeah, I think I'd quite like to be 14 or 15 now as well, because um, I think I've mentioned it before in the podcast as well, that I kind of tried to join a team when I was 15, but I was quite a shy 15 year old. And so I went to a couple of training sessions and I was like, no, this isn't for me because the team were kind of a little bit intimidating and I didn't feel particularly welcome. So I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to give up. Like, I, I don't want to do it. So yeah, I didn't I didn't start playing until like two years ago. So I yeah, I think I definitely like to go kind of go back and be 15 again for that chance and that opportunity yeah it's it really is crazy the difference now it's just gives so many girls more opportunities and i'm thankful that playing back then now gives the girls a chance but i'm also very envious <laughs> <laughs> i think that's so true and i think you can even kind of look at sort of like uh, ex-professionals now who probably feel like that as well they kind of pave the way for so much now if you look at kind of like rachel yankee um even like alex scott as well she's she's not retired that long ago but yeah absolutely they're the kind of people who like faye white as well the kind of people who kind of paved the way for us to kind of the kind of football that we see now so yeah absolutely <clears throat> Yeah, it's, it's definitely, I just remember watching Alex Scott and it. I always, looking back now, I always think Arsenal were the only team around. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true, absolutely. Um, yeah, the, the, they, I think they just dominated so much, didn't they, that um, it's kind of difficult to have seen any kind of other teams kind of making a, a way through into the pub. But yeah, there's, there's so much opportunity, like we've said now, that yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it really is. Cool. Okay. Um, so let's talk Swindon Town in that case then. Uh, so the team have actually, I mean, you, you told me you only joined in 2018, so you're still kind of fairly new, I guess, to the team, but they're, they're, they're uh, a quite an old, well, I say old, they're not that old really, but they're an old club, aren't they? Kind of, they've been, been around since 1993. So there's a fair bit of history in the club. Do you know much about the history of the club? I know the history in, they were always a local rival for growing up as a Bristol team mm-hmm. uh, I remember them from a very young age playing them um, and the way they've followed the pathway that's gone in women's football um, that is one that stuck with me as a club because they've managed to make the step up and play in the different leagues yeah, I think I was sort of having a little kind of look through the sort of like the Wikipedia on the team, which is actually, do you know what, even that today, like trying to find like proper information about clubs is like even WSL clubs is kind of a bit of a challenge these days to actually find some history. So there's quite a nice big chunk of uh, history on Swindon on Wikipedia, if anybody's interested in reading about it. Um, so yeah, they've kind of, they've, I think there's 14 trophies to, to the team. So yeah, like a lot of lot of stuff has happened and a lot of uh, achievements have happened at the club so you joined in 2018 were you at St Nick's and then you went to Swindon or is there kind of something that's happened in between then have you been at a different club in between then no I was at St Nick's um and then I was out for a season um on essentially maternity um and then I got back into playing at St Nick's again and then I moved straight to Swindon so there was no kind of off period Nice, yeah. So just went straight straight to it. I love that. Um, so, kind of, what what made you choose Swindon? Actually, I guess because obviously you'd been at St Nick's for so long. Kind of, what was it that was appealing about Swindon to you? Yeah, I am one. I don't like a lot of change. Um, the club I grew up with, St Nick's, was unfaultable. They helped me develop. The manager there, John, he taught me everything I know. Um, he really was great and I didn't necessarily want to leave but he and myself spoke and we seen the club had aspirations 
they managed to get promotion, win the league, while I, in the same time that I was playing against them. And the way they played, um, their dreams, and they made it a reality. So that, to me, was something I know that I could go with them and achieve. Um, so my manager, John, we sat down and he said, to make the step, Swindon have done it. You know they can do it as a club. Um, so go see what it's about. And I did, and I've never looked back. That's amazing. I think that's maybe... I don't think it's necessarily just specific to women's football because I imagine there's probably a lot of non-league men's teams, but I feel like there is a lot of, like, that is quite a big thing in the women's game that people are like, do you know what, if the aspiration is there and, like, if you want to make that jump, then just do it. Kind of that kind of sort of motivation and the kind of there's bigger and better things and you deserve to go and do it. I think that's quite a big thing in the women's game. Yeah, it's massive. And as a player, I don't know if it's just the way I am because I can be quite shy, but you don't know what you're capable of always um, in yourself. And you do sometimes need that person to tell you you are capable, you can go and challenge. So for me, John was the person that gave me the faith and said, you're not out, you're not going to be like out of depth. Like you can go and do it. So his encouragement and determination in myself that that's the reason I was able to do it. Yeah, I think that's true. And kind of, I've spoken to a few coaches uh, through this podcast as well. And I think that's definitely one thing that they often pick out is that actually a lot of the time it's to do with confidence and kind of faith in yourself. And sometimes like that, I think that is quite a kind of common sort of thing within the women's game that actually kind of, you need a little bit more reassurance sometimes. So yeah, that's really amazing that you had the coach that was there to be like, do you know what, go and do it. Yeah, as soon as we were really big local rivals as well, and he didn't put his pride in the way, he didn't put St. Nick's in the way, he was about realising that there is talent and there is a step that could be taken, so go and do it. And I take my hat off to him because it really has helped me. That's amazing. <clears throat> I really like to hear that, yeah. just That's a proper like, feel-good story, isn't it? Part of the game, definitely. So, um... You play within Division One Southwest, and actually, um, Maidenhead are one of the teams who play within your division. And Maidenhead is one of the. So I do a little bit of football writing as well on the side too. Um, and Maidenhead is one of the teams that I cover because they are a Berkshire team, and that's where I'm based. So yeah, when I was kind of having a look through the table, I was like, oh yes, I I know where I'm reading Swindon from. Um, so yeah, you play in Division One Southwest of the National League. Um, so how did it feel to kind of make that step up from being at St Nick's to kind of them playing within kind of the regional sections of uh, the National League? It was it was crazy because I decided to go back to St Nick's at college age, so 16, and that's obviously when you can join the women's football. We ended up getting five consecutive promotions and did a stint in, in the league, um, in the well, it wasn't the National League at the time, but in the National League. Um, so I was lucky to be able to take the steps through with St Nick's and not get completely chucked in a higher league. Um, but we we did two, maybe two seasons um, trying to find our feet, really. So to go to a team that had already found their feet, they've won that league and been promoted, and now they would come back down. It was it was reassuring for me to know that they know what it's like um, to compete highly at that level. Um, so there were, even from St Nick's, who had played in that league, to Swindon, there was a jump. Um, but luckily, it wasn't too big that I kind of felt a bit lost. <laughs> 
that makes sense i like that yeah interesting um so you are also kind of so yeah so you joined in 2018 did you kind of how long was it before you were obviously you are captain how long how long was it before you were kind of given the armband and kind of offered that that uh, that role it was just after a year i've been there um, my teammate polly was the captain when i joined um and she was a good help getting to know the girls and finding my feet in the team she then suffered a slight injury and was going to focus on time out to rebuild and find a feet again and then our current manager Jamie approached me um within his first season there and just said would you like to take the armband so it, I to be honest I really wasn't expecting it a lot of the girls said come on you knew it was coming um but I really didn't so it I I appreciated it when Jamie contacted me Nice. And how, how does it feel to be captain? Kind of do you, do you do anything differently within your game as captain, or is there kind of do you have a kind of particular stuff? Is it the first time being a captain? In fact, um, I was captain for years at Saint Nick um, with the club captain Sophie Sweet. She was um, captain and she got injured and broke bad injury, breaking her leg. So I managed to get a couple of years, one or two years as captain there. Um, and I was quite young. It, it didn't really change my game. But I'm quite shy in person, like in social situations. But as soon as I get on the pitch, I'm just I just talk, <laughs> um, whether it's voluntary or involuntary. I just manage to communicate. I think it's to help my game um, because if I speak to people, they might want to speak to me then. Um, so that was, I think, one of the big points behind becoming captain is that I naturally just communicated anyway. And I didn't have to then start shouting. I was already talking and speaking to the girls anyway. Um, I It just makes me feel proud to be able to be that stepping stone between the girls and the management um, because I, I love my teammates and I respect what the managers have to say. So to sometimes when anything gets lost in translation, I have such a good relationship with both sets that kind of we don't really have that issue yeah well, yeah I like that I like the idea that you said as well that kind of you kind of step you're a bit shy and kind of in person and then you step on the pitch and you just kind of yeah that confidence is there I think that's probably quite true for a lot of people actually and that kind of especially I think having had a kind of a this the year that it's been and kind of being in lockdown as well kind of everybody's everybody obviously missed football didn't they but you kind of didn't really realize how much you missed football and then kind of yeah definitely for me personally kind of going back to football I was like this is where I'm kind of like this is my proper happy place and I just feel like you just feel a little bit like a different person don't you on a football field and I think as well it's just yeah it's such a big kind of confidence boost being on a football pitch honestly it is I'm such a um shy person and I'm really not a social butterfly when it comes to going out I would normally choose nights in um I don't go out and see friends every weekend. So, But as soon as I'm back with the girls, I'm like, there's no clickiness. We're all just one big group. And we can all socialise with each other or we can break off into little groups. So the way I socialise there, I just think it is a completely different person to how I was socialised on the outside. So it brings out so many positive traits in myself that I'd honestly be lost without it. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's definitely true for a lot of people. So, yep, just just glad that we've got football back, really. Even it, well, actually, I say that 
as a tier kind of you guys are in tier four aren't you so the season was curtailed so maybe not so much but i guess you've had friendlies and stuff like that haven't you so you've had that opportunity to kind of play again yeah we've had it got curtailed which we were gutted and then we managed to have a couple of weeks training and got a few friendlies under our belt um i think we're gonna have a little bit of um break over june and then be back in july and august um yes. ready nice a little bit of kind of pre-pre-season i guess (laughs) yeah that's the thing i'm I'm out running and we're all trying to follow this plan getting fit and then we're like this is (laughs) pre-pre-season like it's not even (laughs) pre-season yeah exactly um so i mean i kind of mentioned those friendlies a little bit there how how kind of how did the friendlies go have you had a kind of I guess obviously like so we've kind of been in and out of lockdowns haven't we and then we had a sort of really solid three months of kind of lockdown so I don't know was it a shock to the system coming back to training and having to actually play matches or kind of did you did you you mentioned a plan there did you have a kind of plan during kind of that that final lockdown that we had that you were kind of guys were kind of sticking to and stuff like that to kind of keep the match fitness up and everything yeah we've um we've got some strength and condition on board um who came in last season and the difference from and the movement we made in the league last season was a lot of it was down to the coaches that came in the strength and conditioning coaches um so when that got curtailed they still helped us through even in lockdown um and we had like weekly planners of what to follow and we'd upload our runs and all of that so through lockdown one we all were really hot on that um and it made pre-season and stuff really quite a bit easier actually um and then again in the latest lockdown we followed it again and i was expecting us to come back and have awful touches but we got back into a little sided games to get us feel for the ball and i think a lot of us girls were like oh it's not actually been too bad we haven't actually lost too much of it um so the running definitely did help us kind of it didn't feel like a huge transition to be honest which we were all shocked by yeah, I think so. I turned into, a, I think I've mentioned this before, I turned into a bit of a Strava fiend with my uh, with my team because <laughs> I play two. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of set up some challenges and stuff like that. And actually, I think, like you say, we definitely kind of came back and we've had a really kind of great kind of... It feels like we've had about three different seasons, to be fair, but this is definitely... this third season as we'll call it (laughs) it's definitely been our best one and yeah despite the fact we've had kind of we had three nearly four months off that was definitely kind of our best best uh kind of run and uh yeah just a bit sad that our league's kind of almost over now you mentioned um a strength and conditioning coach there you kind of you've got a proper setup going on you've kind of got your manager then there's like the assistant i think you've got a therapist as well and then an analyst and the strength and conditioning and then you've got performance as well kind of you've got a little bit of everything do you how do you feel that kind of helps your game um and yeah like obviously that's another potentially did you have that kind of stuff at St Nick's or is this a kind of new thing obviously making the step up yeah so we at St Nick's we just had the manager and the assistant manager um and then when I joined Swindon it was the same really we had a sports therapist um Liam who's been there since I started um, but since Jamie's come in, we have had an influx of staff, which has benefited massively. Sometimes it looks like there's more management and staff than there is players. Um, but the work they've done behind the scenes has really helped us massively, um, especially strength and conditioning. Mike came in last year and he made a change. He he is, he's worked at high levels um, 
and you can tell when he's come into it we all just bought into what he was saying because we've never had that experience before we've a lot women's team don't get the benefits of strength and conditioning coach and that is a big kind of weakness area in our game so we felt awfully lucky when he turned up and we brought straight into it and the benefits were just speaking for themselves on the pitch we did a lot of fitness testing and the change from when he first came in to later in the season was massive um we then got back we before kind of covid we would use our Thursday session an hour before to go through analysis of the games and it would really help us. Sometimes when people just say things, you don't always take it in, but to watch your own game um, and have points and time to discuss it, it, it really was um, much easier for us to digest, really. So the, the work Jamie's done and bringing the, the staff in and how they all come together as a unit is so beneficial for the club. Yeah, that's interesting that you mentioned the kind of analysis thing as well, because I think that's something, obviously there's lots of areas of growth for the women's game in the next kind of few years that we'll continue to see. But I think that's one area that's still kind of a little bit behind, but it's definitely going to possibly like boom in the next few years, that kind of analysis. So um, I kind of do all the media stuff at my football, and I say media stuff, we play tier seven, it's not really, it's just me making jokes on, on Twitter mostly. But I would absolutely love it if we could have some kind of like footage that we could watch back and stuff like that, because I think it would make such a difference to kind of how you play as a team. So it's interesting that you mentioned that. It really does make a difference. Uh, it's not something that I kind of came to Swindon for because it wasn't there really before um, Jamie came in. But now it's been brought in, the benefits, even with our development team and our first team, we all sit down and watch different clips. And it's easier to understand it when you can see it. And when you watch it back, you think, why did I do that? Or I know next time on a bigger picture, you can see what the other options are. Um, So even in lockdown, we started um, before COVID and we'd go in um, before our training session starts, do half an hour, 45 minutes analysis. And then you could kind of, on the points that they made then, go and practice it in a training session. So that being like back-to-back was beneficial. Um, And then even during COVID and lockdowns, we did it on Zoom. So they would put in the clips that we need to watch and the points. And we'd go off in our different break-off rooms and say what we could work on or couldn't work on. Um, So luckily, we haven't had any off period of that really. Um, so it's, it kept it fresh in our mind, which was good. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. So I think, yeah, like I said, I think that's probably going to be kind of an area of kind of growth that you see kind of trickle. Like, obviously, they've got analysts, analysts and stuff like that in kind of WSL and in the championship. I think it's hopefully going to keep trickling down kind of. And why not have it in Tier 7? So, <laughs> yeah, just if any, any way to kind of improve the women's game would just, yeah, be such so beneficial, I think. Yeah, it, would. It, it really would because um, our development team play in Tier 6 um, and they join in in the sessions and we watch the development games and they're benefiting too. So we're lucky that we can all come together and have it because both both of our teams are benefiting and it would be good for it to be the norm really. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And there's plenty of kind of you see out there men's teams. I know plenty of people who kind of play for Sunday League teams and they kind of, they're there kind of filming their games and kind of doing analysis and stuff like that. So why can't it become the norm in the women's game as well? Honestly, because even sometimes as a player myself, I beat myself up or I judge, I think I could have done better. But actually when they show you the analysis clip, they look, Rian, look what you've done here. 
this is brilliant. And then, but if you end on a bad note or something, you forget that. And so it works on what you can work on, but it also works on praising you as players and to look what you can do. Yeah, that's so true. It's so easy to kind of, you can have sort of, I don't know, 89 minutes of a good game and then one one minute where you do something wrong and that's the thing that you dwell on. Honestly, that that's the case for me half of the time. So for us to have analysis, it works in that way too. Yeah, that's amazing to hear. Um, you mentioned the development squad there, actually. So do you guys train together and kind of do that analysis together? Yeah, before coronavirus, we all sat in on... Um, the analysis session, we play clips of development, first team, um, and then we train at the same times. So we split off and then sometimes we do sessions together. Um, so, yeah. Nice. How important do you think that is at the club? It really is important. We don't want to be two separate teams. We want to be one one big club and we want there to be a pathway into the first team. Um, so to have the girls in the development around I think it is very good for their progression so they can see how the first team work and I, I, I love joining in with the development having them around they're, they're really really nice bunch of girls and they just want to learn and keep pushing on yeah that's really important um do Swindon have a kind of youth setup so is it just have you just got the ladies and the development squad like the first in the development squad or is there kind of lower age groups or anything like that so the club we have the first team and the development but then they have um they do have youth set up and they have swindon in the community which is where a lot of our development players come into when they're of the age and then progress through oh yeah so is that part of the kind of foundation setup i think it was yeah i was looking at that earlier that looks insane that just anybody and who's everybody can kind of get involved with that there's just there's opportunities for anybody to kind of get involved in football I saw there's like walking football I think there's wheelchair football yeah just anybody who thinks oh yeah I fancy a bit of football seems like they can get involved at Swindon yeah it is so open they start from tiny age I think they do my little boy's age now and they do walking like you said it's it's so great and their setup there is brilliant do you, in kind of part of the first team or even the development team, do you guys get to get involved in that at all? Yeah, we do it at times. Obviously, it's hard with coronavirus. We try um get involved with the foundation and local teams in the area. So our manager and some of the players have been going down to local teams like Marlborough, um, their youth sessions, just explaining our experiences and how we find women's football. Nice. That's amazing. So um, let's talk a little bit more about specifically about you. Can you tell me? I think I, we'll, I kind of, we'll, we'll start on the kind of, not the bad stuff, but the kind of the challenging part of your time at Swindon and then we'll finish on the good stuff. So kind of t- talk me through any kind of times where you've sort of had a sort of like a challenge that you've maybe had to deal with whilst you've been at the club or a challenging time, either individually or as a team. I guess kind of the big kind of coronavirus <laughs> issue is obviously a big of a cha- bit of a challenge for everybody. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Um, I think coming in as a shy player that always stayed to their local club, coming to the first session, for me personally, was a challenge to feel confident enough that I could go show off my ability. Um, and for then the coming weeks and months after that, because I wanted to make an impact and show what I could do, but I also don't want to step on anyone's toes. Um, so for me, that was a big challenge personally in like a personal view and a personal football view. Um, the challenges of wanting to get somewhere, but then feeling bad. Sometimes you do have to just do it for yourself. Um, I didn't 
in all honesty, I didn't want to come and be be a substitute all the time. I came to make the step. Um, so I wanted to be confident enough to display what I can do and to personally put behind the barrier of don't don't get in anyone's way. I then had to kind of be a little bit selfish and push myself forward and try and get myself there. That was a big challenge for me personally, but the girls was, were so welcoming and no one took offence to me coming. They welcomed me and helped me build and helped me get my spot in the team, really. Nice, yeah. I think that can be kind of... <clears throat> It's kind of a sort of swings around about, isn't it, really? It's kind of like tipping the balance. Obviously, like you said, you kind of, you are there because you want to make that step up. But equally, you kind of, as you say, you don't want to step on people's toes. But I think, yeah, just kind of naturally, because women's football is kind of, it does, it's still at that stage where it's still very inclusive and very kind of inviting and... I guess it's slightly different because you're playing national league kind of level. So obviously there's like a, there is an element of kind of, you do need some kind of ability and skill there, but kind of, yeah, it's still so kind of welcoming and so kind of inclusive. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel pushed out. And that was my biggest fear that I'd come and upset the camp basically. But um, my hat's off to the girls. They, they never made me feel like that. Um, Even if I maybe did do it, unintentionally they never made me feel like I did so that was a massive part of me joining Swindon and staying there yeah absolutely and you clearly made a good impression if you've ended up with the captain's armband another year later so (laughs) well done for that oh thanks (laughs) not at all so equally kind of we've done the challenging part tell me about maybe a stand-up moment that you've had at the club either kind of individually or as a team is there been something in particular that you thought yep i love that kind of i feel proud for this kind of situation even if it's just kind of the mundane really and just something yeah just something's gone really well or has there been a big win somewhere the looking back during the toughest year on probably everyone personally the what we managed to achieve in the curtailed season just gone made me feel so proud of this club we could have easily used coronavirus for different excuses um but the results we picked up in the couple of games that we played the football that we then played makes me proud to be the captain because what the girls have gone off and done in their own time what the managers have implemented and how we've all come together to make it happen has really, really paid off. Nice, like that. <laughs> yeah, nice and simple, that one, I think, yeah. Has there been any kind of particular games that you just feel like things have worked? So I know, you, so obviously we talked about kind of analysis and stuff like that. So is there certain things kind of that you've analysed and thought, right, this hasn't gone right, we're going to sort this out, we're going to kind of, we'll, we'll look at this, we'll review it, we'll kind of sort it out in training, and then it's kind of worked when you've gone into a game the next session? Yeah, there has there has been different times and that's been the case. It feels like 20 years ago that I played a competitive game with the girls. Um, but we always had the talent, but we didn't always use it in the right way. So our attacking threat is so... The girls that, that have the talent are unbelievable, but they did all the hard work and we weren't putting the goals away. So sometimes in the season before that, we weren't picking up results. Even though we had the ability, we just weren't putting the goals away. So at the end of the day, we're not going to win a game. Um, So we went back to our attacking options and how we can kind of predict what they're going to do. Um, And then in that season that's just been curtailed off, 
we were we were implementing that then. We were getting goals, not even from one goal scorer, um, from all the girls throughout the team in all the positions. So that is one that we've managed to work on and kind of nail now. Nice, I like that. I also have just realised that we've managed to get like quite a good chunk of this way through and I've not even asked you what position you play. <laughs> yeah, so I play um, in the centre of midfield. Nice. How do you find that? Have you always played centre midfield or have you kind of moved about the place or has that always just been your kind of natural position? When I first started football, <laughs> I loved football growing up, but when I went to my first training session, they asked me what position I played, but the only position I knew the name of was a striker. I'm not a striker. <laughs> I never have been. I don't think I ever will be. Um, so shortly after that, I then just found myself in midfield and not really gone anywhere since. I can play across the line um sometimes i've been played out wide um but normally across somewhere in the middle nice like that yeah to be fair so i've only been playing football for two years and i think i've played four different positions now i just i can't quite figure out where i'm meant to be (laughs) (laughs) that's actually a lot of the girls i've played with even growing up and now they just actually aren't sure what the one position is i've been lucky enough to have quite a few years kind of nailing down this one position because the positional wise the playing wise each position even if it's across the middle it changes so much um so lucky I've been given the time to kind of make it my own yeah that makes a lot of sense actually I think I think I I guess I've just still got a little bit of time to figure out where it is where my position is but yeah I've kind of gone from defense and I've just crept further up the field and I still don't even know if that's my position but you know (laughs) we'll see how we get on yeah exactly that go for it (laughs) indeed okay so we've done the kind of the challenge we've done the standout moment let's kind of look to the future kind of what is the future i guess for you re and also for swindon town kind of where would you like to see you guys kind of even in the league or kind of just the kind of development of the kind of team generally in the club yeah well last season which feels like three seasons ago um i think we were making good steps we crept up the league i think we finished joint third um so we want we are pushing we want to be in that league above we i think the steps that have been made off the field in managerial roles and like you say the analysis and all of that helps us make our way towards there um it's just i think a lot of it is believing that we can do it um so i think if as a collective, we look back at what we achieved in those couple of games we got to play last year and the results we picked up, how we played. Hopefully, we can keep going and get that promotion. Nice. I mean, I'm excited for you to do that, but also I'd quite like Maidenhead to do the same. So <laughs> we'll see how it gets on. But yeah, no, honestly, that's yeah, that's kind of where you just want to see it. Just the kind of that push to kind of make that kind of step up definitely is is definitely and uh, like as you say with your results I think I think I kind of looked at the table in the last couple of years and you kind of obviously two years of curtailment is super frustrating but as you say you've kind of crept up the league and I I think you were joint third in kind of before the season was over so yeah it's definitely the potential is clearly there and as you say with kind of all the analysis bringing in and kind of really cementing that sort of coaching kind of staff it's all yeah all that potential is there so why not kind of go for the the jump above yeah definitely that is that is where we want to be 
Love that. Okay, let's talk a little bit kind of broader now. So <clears throat> let's talk a little bit kind of women's football in general. So where do you, we'll kind of, I'm going to ask you the same questions I asked you about Swindon, about women's football in general. So where do you think the kind of biggest challenge in women's football is right now? Where is it kind of, where's the gaps do you think there is? Or where do you think there's potential for growth? I think, I think it's attracting the players. Um, can, has been a struggle where when I was at St Nick's and now at Swindon. It's kind of a lot of the age, the younger age group have got the really good pathway now, um, but they're also at that they don't have the experience. Yeah. So kind of find the players in the middle ground. Yeah. And, yeah, and just trying to get them on board and finding the mix between the experience and the talent, if that makes sense. No, I get that totally. I think I think I mentioned it kind of right at the beginning when I first started this this podcast. It's it's just that kind of we're on the kind of tipping point of the kind of the kind of pathways and stuff like that so as you say there's like lots of kind of smaller kind of it's just keeping that kind of interest when you get to kind of kids you know like you say you'd like to go back and be 15 again to kind of be in football now I think it's just on that kind of balance and that kind of tipping scale right now of kind of getting the interest of those people who are um kind of that age sort of that kind of 15 to 18 because I think that's where it kind of tends to sort of tail off sometimes because the kind of as you say there's kind of less kind of clubs around and actual getting the interest kind of going because I I still feel like a lot of people kind of don't really get women's football kind of generally sort of they so I work with kids for example and when I tell kind of my so I their ages five to 16 if I tell any of the boys that I play football they're like what you play football so we're still at that stage where it's kind of a little bit strange when people hear that you're you play football and you're a girl so I think it's yeah it's just a lot about kind of peaking that interest like you say yeah definitely because I feel like the years that the pathway has come along I think in maybe even just one or two seasons that's when the girls that have grown up thinking and believing that being a footballer is doable, they start falling into the national leagues and the, the league above. At the moment, they're still in the young age, so they might not be able to make that jump. So in a couple of years, the benefits of this pathway will start filtering through. But at the moment, we're kind of still in the age gap where when we were growing up, being a woman's footballer as a career wasn't really a thing. So kind of you just get the people that's kind of was playing the younger and now they've got back into football or they're so young that they need to build up the experience in the league. Yeah, that's that's very true. I think I caught a little bit of an Alex Greenwood interview the other day, actually. And she kind of was she was talking about how when she was growing up, like she, like her fa- family, are obviously football mad. She's like proper, proper scouts, a proper Liverpool fan. So like it's just football, like m- madness in her house kind of thing. And like, I think she's. I think she's got like four brothers or something like that. So obviously like football was massive in her house. And she just talked about how there was people who were like, well, you're not going to make it as a footballer because you're a girl. And she was like, no, 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 no. I am going to be a footballer. And like, I'm in that kind of headstrong space where I think, yeah, I am going to be like that. So hopefully, like obviously she's just one of kind of many and she's, I don't know how old she is now, 20, 26, 27 maybe. So <clears throat> yeah, it's just kind of, hopefully we're getting those kids who are 
feeling like that but actually realizing that that opportunity is much more kind of available to them and there and as you say kind of we'll get those kids in the next kind of couple of seasons who are kind of in that national league position and hopefully it kind of just continues to filter down hopefully yeah because even now at work when i'm sometimes i have to leave work early to get to training on time or to get to a midweek fixture they see me in my kit and they're like what you're playing football i'm like yeah like oh do you just go for a kickabout no, we train twice a week. We play once a week. Or do you play locally? No, we travel sometimes 100 miles, sometimes 10 miles. And they're like, what? And that's in a full-grown adult environment. And they, they, they can't believe it. But like you say, the dream can't be a reality nowadays for the girls growing up. I remember when I was at the academy, or just before I joined the academy, and I was looking for that stepping stone, the only other local academy to me was Birmingham or London. And for me, it wasn't kind of in touching distance to commute to London every week. My parents have got, my mum's got six other children. So to drive me to London every week, just it didn't feel like I could make it a reality so it wouldn't be worth it. But now if I knew I could make a career out of it and I could go to the highest level... My, I, I wouldn't even be afraid of asking my mum. My mum would do it any day of the week anyway. But when, as a player, you didn't believe it would come to anything, you didn't really then follow the dreams. Whereas now, people tend to have quite a good pathway just on their doorstep. Yeah, that's so true. And that's something that's kind of really kind of seen its kind of growth. And hopefully that's just, yeah, it's kind of on a real trajectory. I just, I think that people who are not getting involved in women's football right now are silly because in the next like five, 10 years, it's just going to absolutely rock it. We've kind of, you just have to look at kind of the kind of uh, TV deals and stuff like that. And just kind of who's sponsoring the leagues and stuff like that these days to know that like it's, there's kind of big, I, don't, I mean, I don't want to say it, but there's big business kind of, kind of coming for women's football. So why you wouldn't get involved, I don't know. It is. There really is big things to come. I I remember now at the academy, um, I'd say 85% of my teammates were travelling from Wales. because. But now, if you look, Cardiff City, Cardiff Met, they are good, good football sides. But honestly all the Welsh girls were travelling to Bristol because that is their closest thing. Yeah, I think quite so. I'm a Reading fan myself and obviously we've got kind of a good stock of Welshies in our team. I think a lot of them, yeah, they were either at Cardiff teams or like you say, they kind of were travelling outside of Wales to kind of get the opportunity to just go and play. Yeah, they they were. Most of my teammates in the starting eleven were travelling from Wales and they were in the Welsh um, youth teams. So to think that they had to travel to another country to play a, a high standard of women's football is crazy to think now. Yeah, absolutely. It's really exciting to see though, isn't it, really, kind of generally speaking. So yeah, cool. Okay, so we talked challenges. Do you think, is there any kind of particular area that you think that women, well, I guess we've kind of talked about it a little bit there, but is there anything that you think that the women's game is kind of really doing well currently? Or like, is there anything you kind of see for the future that you think that women's football is doing particularly well in? I think getting their names out there and getting the sport out there um, to watch the World Cup a couple of years ago, just to have it readily available. I remember before you had to watch it on the red button or stream it. Now I could get on BBC or whatever. And that is a massive move. And to see the men's side of it take it on a bit more is great. Like you see the pundits in the men's game 
they have an understanding of the women's game as well. They're not just now dropping names. They are actually engaging on the movement they're making. So if that keeps going in the right way, it'll be big things to come. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I think, um, well, you just have to look to see kind of Alex Scott's appointment to be the next Football Focus presenter. That's amazing. And yeah, just anybody who thinks that she is not qualified for that is silly. <laughs> I know. I read, uh, I I watched her as a little girl when she used to come down to Southwest when she was playing for Arsenal, all the cups she won. But her knowledge as a pundit is better than half the men anyway. So how people say that, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. So yeah, just lots of exciting things kind of growing. Obviously, we've had the broadcast deal as well, which is exciting with Sky and the BBC. So obviously the FA player is available. But I mean, if anybody follows me on Twitter, they'll already know how often I complain about the FA player. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm excited to kind of have Sky and BBC kind of properly on board with the coverage. Although, having said that, BT have done a phenomenal kind of kind of bit of work and kind of how they've grown the women's game. Like, you just have to kind of look at Champions League stuff as well with uh, with Chelsea in the last few weeks to see that. But, yeah, it's very exciting, that broadcasting deal. Yeah, it is. And it'll be so good. Even I've got a stepdaughter who's 10. And to be able to sit down in the living room and have it on TV, she won't even believe it now. So... When that starts becoming the norm, that is when movements will be made. Yeah, I totally agree. I like that. I think that's a good point for us to finish on there as well. But we can't escape the quick fire questions. This is my favourite part of this podcast, mainly because team like people get to bait out their teammates. <laughs> <laughs> you are allowed to veto questions, though, although I don't think that anybody's... Ve- well, there's always one question that gets vetoed. We'll see how we go. <laughs> But yes, this is a chance to uh, grass up your teammates, basically. Okay, let's embrace it. <laughs> All right, first question. Who is always late? Ellie Olds. <laughs> there was almost no hesitation there. You were straight in there. Yep, yeah, Ellie, she's the one. <laughs> nice. Um, okay, so similarly, who's turning up at the wrong venue or forgetting their kit? Jen Grey. You are so decisive for this already. I love it. <laughs> Um, who waits until match day to turn things on? So they're kind of pretty chill in training and then match day turns up and just the heat is there. Lanes, our winger. Nice, I like that. Any particular reason why? Is she just is she just too good that she's like, oh, I don't really need to try too hard in training? She's just, her ability is just so casual that in training she'll be able to make it look look easy, but then when you put it against real-time opponent she just it looks like a walk in the park (laughs) god i wish that was me so much (laughs) um who is scoring your winning goal tory taylor again so decisive i love it i'm hoping you're going to be this decisive with the next question as well so we've got your kind of winning goal who is who's, who's missing it who's missing that winning goal Ellie Old. <laughs> I love it. You're just, yep, yeah, straight to the point. <laughs> I'm hoping she's not going to kind of rib you for this. <laughs> oh, well, she she probably will, but I'll face it. <laughs> You're like, I'm the captain. I can say what I like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, who's most competitive? Me. <laughs> love that. Yeah, why not? I guess you are. You are captain, so why not? Why not? Um, who is the biggest joker? Who's the kind of prankster of the team? 
It's between Jen and Ellie. Between them, they're a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And final one. And I always feel like this is actually really just the whole team. But who is the team hype woman? Who's getting everyone going, either at training or on match day? That's a hard one, actually. This is not the one I was expecting you to veto, I'll be I honest. Know. Jen, Jen brings the buzz and she's singing any song. But whether she's getting you motivated for a match day or a night out, you can kind of be unsure sometimes. <laughs> Like she's already in the pub. We've we're she's she's done the ninety minutes in her head. She's down the pub already. That is it. That is it. <laughs> love that. Well, you have survived quick fire questions, and I just loved how definitive you were of your answers. There didn't veto a single one. The confidence was just there. Yeah, love it. Cool. Okay, so <clears throat> anything else that you want to add about the team? I know you guys are kind of. Um, I think you're recruiting for the kind of upcoming season, aren't you? So yeah, do you want to kind of plug yourself for a little bit? Can, where can who do they need to contact? Can they get in touch with you on social media? Yeah, so we are looking to recruit um, before preseason, during preseason. Um, they can contact us on any of our social medias. We've got Instagram, Twitter. There are contact numbers for the managers. So development or first team. Um, I think there will be kind of like a join impact sent out. So it should have who put the faces to the names. Um, so you get to know who you would be contacting, um, what we can offer, where we play. Um, so, yeah, if anyone is in the local area and want to give the National League a challenge, we are more than happy to have you on board. Amazing. Love that. That is a great point for us to finish. So, Re, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a really lovely chat. I've really enjoyed myself. Thank you so much for having me. It's It's been so nice to talk about the girls, get their names out there um, and the club as well, because they have made a lot of changes and hopefully it's paying off. Love that. Amazing. Thank you. Keep it simple. Get down to play today. The UK's leading app for next game availability. Download down to play from the App Store and Google Play. And thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in to episode eight of the latest series in the Selk podcast production. Expect to hear many more interviews from those involved in the women's grassroots game, as well as news, history and everything else in between. And remember, it's OK not to be OK. So if you ever want to reach out to me, I'm always happy to chat football or anything else for that matter. Feel free to get in touch with me on social media. Stay safe out there, wear a mask, wash your hands, follow the guidelines and catch you all soon for episode nine. I've been your host, Abby, and you've been listening to Match Fix. This week's Selk podcast was brought to you by Down to Play, the simple app for next game availability. (laughs) 